Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. This week, I'm thrilled to be joined by Salome Thomas L., a.k.a. Principal L. Salome is an award-winning K-8 principal in Wilmington, Delaware, international speaker and author of The Immortality of Influence and I Choose to Stay. He's also appeared on Dr. Oz, CNN, NPR, and Oprah Radio. Principal L, as you know, the show is centered on leadership development. I would love to hear your personal leadership journey on how you became an administrator. So I became an administrator quite some time ago. I um, started teaching in 1987 in the inner city in Philly and started teaching kids to play chess as a math teacher and decided that, you know, I could, I could teach kids that they could choose the behavior but they couldn't choose the consequences. It just worked in a very high needs, high poverty community, had a large number of students who had been in trouble and had some murders in the community and decided to start teaching students chess. And once we developed this winning chess program, um, I decided that I wanted to build a winning team, you know, of teachers and parents and community members and decided that I would become a principal in a feeder elementary school for the middle school that I worked in, Sermon. First year as principal was in 1999 was my first year as principal, believe it or not. Here we are in 2019. So did you always aspire to be an administrator, or was there a person who influenced that decision? No. You know, I st- actually started working in television when I graduated college and uh, thought I would be a big on-air talent for ESPN or ABC and <laughs> uh, went in to talk to some kids about my job in TV and on a career day in school and... You know, some kids asked me, you know, why didn't I choose to be a teacher? And thought about all the teachers who had influenced me in my life, and many teachers who, you know, made a major impact on my life. And I decided to become become a teacher. And never really thought I'd be an administrator. Thought I'd teach my entire career. But really started thinking about the importance of building winning teams uh, when I started work with my chess program and started working with teachers. And I think when you kind of work around other administrators, you kind of learn about life of an administrator you start thinking and wondering what life will be like um, around leadership that inspired others and I think that's what really encouraged me to be a principal working around some inspiring administrators but also working around some teachers who I saw working very hard who I knew um, deserved great support so in your preparation to become an administrator what was one of the most impactful or influential experiences you had as a teacher that enhanced your skills as a leader well, I spent a couple years running an in-school suspension program. Kind of wanted students to look at it as a second chance. And so we changed the name of it to a second chance program instead of in-school suspension. And I turned it into sort of a high-level disciplinary program. So when the students came into in-school suspension, I started teaching algebra in the early grades and really had high expectations for students and saw that as my calling, you know, the ability to reach students that other people didn't think that they could reach. And that really was what inspired me and impacted me and made me believe that I could be the kind of educator who who could reach students. And that's really pushed me working with those at-risk students, high-needs communities, and I knew that leadership would be my calling and serving that population would definitely be where I would call my home. In your transition from a teacher to an administrator, what was your biggest misconception as you began your experience? 
Hmm, my biggest misconception. Well, I'll tell you, I really thought that the teachers and colleagues that I work with, that all of them, every last one of them, would be happy that I had become an administrator. And uh, I learned quickly that everyone is not always happy when you're successful. So I had to fight that battle of those who may have been envious, those who may have thought that you wouldn't be good in the job, or those who just weren't comfortable knowing that someone that they started in the career with was moving up the ladder. And that's something I'm sure many administrators and new administrators deal with because I became an administrator in a school where I taught. Mm. I became a teacher and an administrator where a school where I was a student. And I became a principal in a community where I was a student and a teacher. So it was a tough transition, but it also was a, a wonderful one for me because I was able to grow and learn from people who I taught with. And even as a principal, I continued to learn from my teachers and my colleagues. What do you wish you would have known before taking your principal position? I wish that I had known how much money it would really take for me to run a successful school. I probably would have tried to hit the Powerball before I became a principal. <laughs> uh, because, you know, my teachers deserve to make much more. Teachers around the country deserve to make much more money than they're paid. Mm -hmm. And uh, also our students deserve such rich experiences and they need to be in modern buildings and they need to have opportunities and access to technology and so many things. And it's hard for districts to provide that because, of course, you know, much of the funds that are generated are generated through taxes and other means. I am just happy that I'm in the job, but wish that I had known a little bit more about budgets and finance before I took the job. So for a couple of years, I had to learn really how to become savvy about, you know, managing my school budget. Mm -hmm. As a principal... What was your greatest trial? One of my struggles was really getting some teachers to believe that they had the kind of impact that they had on students. I just, I just think that when I became a principal, I didn't expect so many teachers to underestimate how powerful just their presence in the classroom was and also the influence that they had on those young people. They knew they were good teachers. They knew they knew their content. They knew how to develop relationships. But I just don't think they understood, some of them, understood how some of those young people just look forward to seeing them every day. And that became one of my big challenges, just being a motivate and inspire teachers to understand that for many children, they will be the only person who would tell them that they were smart, intelligent, that they were beautiful, that they could be successful that they were the key to many of those students becoming successful. And once I became experienced with inspiring and motivating teachers to understand how important they were, I think the job became just, it will never be easy, but it became a little easier. Those teachers took that power and transferred it into transforming their classrooms and building cultures in their classrooms where they were able to develop students resilience and, and develop their self-efficacy and critical thinking and that opened doors for teachers and for students. So as an administrator, what is one area you wanted to change in education? Woo! That's a powerful <laughs> question right there, sir. <laughs> I think I wanted to change the mindsets of educators.
educators to understand that we had to move away from believing that we had to continue operating in the way that we operate. That old, that phrase, we've always done it that way, is the most dangerous phrase in our profession. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that my mission was to change not only teachers, but administrators to understand that we had to become innovative and we had to be open to change. And change is difficult. It's difficult to move out of that comfort zone because the comfort zone is close to the learning zone and the learning zone is close to the frustration zone. So it's very difficult, but that was the area where I really made my ministry getting teachers and leaders to understand that we had to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and being different and then modeling that for either other teachers or modeling that for students so that they could see that they had to be comfortable with taking risks and solving problems and not being afraid to be wrong and, and, and embracing failure and struggle. It's 20 years later, I'm still on that mission to encourage other leaders to understand that we have to keep shifting and keep moving and, and uh, being disruptive. That was my biggest goal, to be a change agent for being different and being comfortable with being different. And I remember you telling a story about how you told your mother you wanted to be a principal because you wanted to stop breaking up fights between kids, and she responded by saying that you would be breaking up more fights from teachers than you ever would from students. So what are some strategies that you use to create a healthy school culture? Yeah, I actually told my mother I wanted to become a principal because I was tired of breaking up fights. <laughs> but um, I think building a healthy school culture and a healthy school environment begins with becoming the kind of leader who supports your staff members, who loves those staff members, who loves those children. You know, as educators, we have to love children before we ever meet them. Mm-hmm. And I think once you make sort of love a, a common factor in your community, in your school, it becomes your culture, becomes the fabric of the school. And love should be at the center of almost everything we do, you know, in the classroom, in the lunchroom, on the school bus, you know, everywhere, even in our professional development. We need to make sure that we have that, that love and that passion for what we do. We know our job is to teach, but we know our passion is teaching and we love it. But we also have to understand the bigger job is to get better at it, to make sure that we're improving our students and improving our teachers. I'm just a, a big, big proponent of making sure that students experience two things every day, rigor and joy, that they are challenged. And I don't mean rigor meaning we just push students over the edge. I mean we nudge and we nudge and we nudge, and then we give you a dose of love and support. We nudge and we nudge. We, love. we continue to challenge you. We have those high expectations. But we're following up with love and support on a daily basis. Every day those students should be challenged, but they should be loving and embracing the struggles that come with it and also the success. So what do you do on your campus to increase student voice? As we make sure our students are involved in many of the decisions we make, and we're a seven-habit school, so Mm -hmm. uh, we're a leader in these schools, so our students all learn and study the seven habits but they also live leadership on a daily basis. So our students are a part of our Lighthouse team where we develop culture and we develop Leadership Day and other events around the school. And our student government meets with myself and my assistant principal on a weekly basis to discuss uh, student endpoint, student voice, student needs, 
and also some of the uh, activities that they'd like to plan. But we make sure that those students also understand that they matter. So we're celebrating those students on a daily, weekly, you know, monthly basis and making sure that they understand that that door is always open and that they play a role, you know, in that process. And I'm excited about the fact that we have students who are, are very involved in, in many streams with, within our school, in our office, in our, in our student activities. And they really, truly make sure that we understand what their hopes and dreams are on, on a daily basis. What is one initiative you've implemented on your campus that you are extremely proud of? One thing I implemented would have to be you know, our chess program. Mm-hmm. Is that in, in, when I was in Philly, we had a chess program that won multiple national titles, students going on to major colleges, universities, and law schools. And now I've been in Delaware since 2010, and we won two national chess championships in the span of three years. And I, we just have so many young people who are involved. And most importantly, we have young ladies who are involved. And the, the, the Delaware State Chess Champion was a female from our school, beat almost every boy in the state. And I just think I'm so excited and proud of the fact that we've implemented a program that teaches students to critically think and problem solve early in life. And, you know, brain development is so important. And 80 to 90% of our students' brains develop between zero and five years. And the last 10% of that brain that developed is the prefrontal cortex. And that, that part of the brain is what's re- what is responsible for critical thinking, judgment, problem-solving, decision-making. That's why adolescents make bad decisions. But chess actually develops that part of the brain much earlier in life, in kindergarten, first and second grade. And so I just love the fact that that we've decided to take a great equalizer, chess, and sort of give our students opportunity to become those thinkers. So um, the chess program is one thing we're proud of. Um, As an administrator, we have a great mentorship program. We have a wonderful teacher leadership team in our school where, you know, so many teachers have that capacity to make an impact on themselves, their classrooms, but on other teachers as well. So I love the community, the family culture that we have in our school building. I've heard you say persistence overcomes resistance. How can our aspiring leaders use this mindset to overcome adversity? Well, I think an aspiring leader develops a mindset to overcome resistance by understanding that their journey will be full of ups and downs. They also have to understand that when a a person sort of doesn't agree with them, it doesn't mean they don't like them personally. Mm-hmm. When something doesn't work out, it doesn't mean you're not a good administrator. It just means that something didn't work. And I think that they have to maintain that confidence and belief in themselves that when there are others who push back, people are naturally resistant to change. So when they push back, it may not necessarily be because they don't want or see that what you want to implement as being good or, or needed. It's just that it's natural for them to push back. So we've got to keep making sure that we keep our foot on the gas as administrators, that we'll always have children at the center, and that we're, we're, we're fighting to make sure that we want to make an impact, that we're choosing impact over compliance. And I think that's the most important thing for an administrator who has to deal with all of the barriers of finding success for students and teachers is understanding your role, your path, 
in your purpose, and that's making sure, choosing impact over compliance. So you hear the term leadership burnout quite a bit. You've been in education for 20 plus years. What is the secret to your successful longevity? I have actually, in my 30, 30 plus years as an educator, 20 years as an administrator, and I often have people say, wow, you haven't hit the wall yet. And I just think that, that I just, for some reason, I have that passion in me every day to get in there in front of those children and say to them, you can be me because I was once you. Now, the job is much tougher. The job of an educator is one of the toughest jobs that we can have, short of the soldier who's out there fighting for our country. This job, we have so much on our plate now, so underappreciated, so overworked, so underpaid, no resources. So it's a tough job, but it's a calling. And we get called to do this work. And when you become an administrator, you're adding to the ministry. And I think to avoid that burnout, we have to continue to keep our eye on what motivated us to sign up for this profession. And that was simply because we wanted to be able to make a difference. And we wanted to be able to create change. And every day when I think about my passion, and I go to bed every night with satisfaction because I know I'm going to wake up with determination. Knowing that I've given my all every day and I'm following my passion, my path, and that is to truly, truly serve others. Leadership is about service. If you don't serve, you can't lead. And I think that's why I'm still enjoying Now, there's some days, you know, there's some tough days. I have some parents that say some things to me that um, don't make me proud and I may have some young people who I can't get to respond to me, but then I have to sit back and say, you know what? They need love. The children who need the most love ask for it in the most unloving ways. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is why I'm here. And that's why I wake up every day and look forward to working with our young people and with our teachers. For those starting their leadership journey, what advice do you have for them? For those starting their leadership journey, the advice that I have for them is that I need them to truly think every day about their purpose. This work as an administrator is about purpose. And your purpose should be, as an administrator, that you want to serve and uplift others. So I want them to be focused on service. And don't focus on, be focused on the important things that matter. There'll be so many distractions out there, but I think I want them to focus on the children in their schools, the teachers in their schools, and the communities that surround those children, and then focus on some very critical factors. And that is making sure that those students are challenged with very rigorous curriculum, make sure that they have high expectations for those students, for the teachers, and for themselves, and then support those teachers and those students. And then finally, what I would say to them is to make sure that they are taking care of themselves. Too many are burning out because we don't participate in self-care, that we don't eat right, we don't exercise, we don't take the time to relax and and make sure that we're recovering to be 100% for our students and teachers. So I want them to, most importantly, to make sure that they're caring for themselves because you can't serve others effectively if you're not taking care of yourself. So remember that serving others is your goal, is your focus but also make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And for our listeners who haven't had the opportunity to read The Immortality of Influence, 
Can you describe how this book may help our aspiring leaders? The Immortality of Influence is a book that talks about the influence of adults, teachers, principals, coaches, parents, and how we influence so many others, our co-workers. You know, just the person you walk into the supermarket, just every time we meet and work with someone, we have an opportunity to influence them, and we do not need to take that lightly. And so this is a book that really helps people to understand the importance of mentorship, the importance of being a great role model, of being a great father, a great principal, a great leader, and strategies for how we can affect change you know, in our communities. I'm most proud because I have a book coming out in June or July titled Passionate Leadership. I have two great co-authors who are current um, district-level administrators here in Delaware with me, T.J. Varia and Joe Jones. And I'm very excited about this book, Passionate Leadership, because this is what we're actually addressing in this conversation um, right now is the passion that's needed to uplift other teachers and uplift other administrators. And I think the immortality of influence is a great foundation for the Passion Leadership book because our influence is immortal. It never dies. People will talk about our relationships and our impact long after we're gone. But I think that we've come to a point now where we've got to help people uh, reignite that fire and, and light it and get them back in the, on the front lines really fighting for what we know um, our children and teachers deserve, and that's great schools no matter where we are. Mm -hmm. And in addition to your admin position, you speak at conferences, you're on TV, and you are very active on social media. How did you find your voice beyond your district? You know, I had others who actually reached out to me. I never thought about writing books, never thought about speaking, and I had others who inquired and questioned me about, you know, why don't you write a book, and why don't you go out and speak about your experiences? And I, and I was inspired that others thought that I had a story that people, that they wanted to hear, that others, you know, should hear, and, and that they thought that I had the ability to be able to motivate others and encourage them to continue in this fight for education and for, you know, for our children. And social media was just an extended opportunity to be able to connect with educators and servants from around the country, but also around the globe. And to be able to connect with some, I've, I've met some wonderful, wonderful school leaders through my experiences on, you know, social media. And it's a blessing to be able to connect through my speeches, through my books, through social media, and to learn. I've learned so much from other teachers and administrators through my experiences. And so it is an honor and a blessing to be in this quite noble profession. In closing, what is the most enjoyable aspect of leadership? The most enjoyable aspect of leadership, knowing that you have the responsibility of supporting so many people, knowing that so many people count on you. I think I enjoy that, although it's stressful. Now, don't get me wrong, it is stressful. The crown is heavy, but someone must wear it. Mm -hmm. And to know that people look to you for leadership, for encouragement, for support, Sometimes it's just a hug or an encouraging word to know that people count on you and that you'll be there during the toughest times. I think it's the most enjoyable part of it. Just having a young child walk up to me and say, good morning, Mr. Principal L, because they think principal's my first name, <laughs> is, a, is a great feeling. And just knowing that you, you, you're making a difference in the lives of so many people. 
Please continue to check out the Aspire podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and share your ratings and reviews. Don't forget to use the Aspire lead hashtag as you continue the conversation on Twitter. Salam, thank you so much for being on the program. Oh, thank you, sir. Listen, keep up the great work and keep getting the great word out there about leadership and education. I appreciate it. Take care.